Masechet Yevamot, Daf Bet. Let's start with a few words of introduction. We're starting a new Seder, Seder Nashim, and the first Masechet is Yevamot. There's a lot of discussion about why this should be the first Masechet. How about start with Kiddushin? Don't you have to get married first before you can think about uh, Yibum, and uh, there's lots of answers, but the very simple answer is that the order of Masechtot go in size order from the biggest to the smallest, counting the number of prakim in the Mishnah. And so uh, Yevamot is uh, the largest with 16 prakim, uh, Kituvot is only 13, and that's the reason uh, for the order. Okay, Masechet Yevamot is going to be a lot about the laws of Yibum, but it will also include lots of other other topics about uh, conversion and aguna and uh, arayot, the uh, status uh, of uh, various uh, categories of people and their marital status. Uh, so it'll introduce a whole lot of concepts in a way we have to learn a whole language about how the laws of uh, marriage work, and we'll find that all in Yevamot. Okay, uh, what is Yibum? Well, we do have two stories in Tanakh about Yibum. Uh, one is Yehuda and Tamar, uh, where Yehuda is the father-in-law, and uh, this would be prohibited under halacha for a father-in-law to perform Yibum. That would be Erva, and the child would be Mamzer. Uh, but Yehuda does do it with his daughter-in-law, and that's considered uh, fine and, and praiseworthy, and uh, the progenitor of David HaMelech. So it seems that that was before uh, pre-halacha. Uh, this was common. In other words, the idea is that if a woman dies, a man dies without children, it's not just the brother, but the relatives and closest relative, uh, including here, the father-in-law. The other story we have is in Megillat Rut, where Boaz performs Yibum with uh, Ruth, it doesn't call it Yibum, but it's, it is, uh, looks like the same thing. Uh, when Elimelech dies, and he's the closest relative, except for Peloni Almoni, who's even closer. And Boaz is not a brother to Elimelech, but some kind of cousin. And so you see here also, there was the obligation fell upon the closest relative, uh, not just the brother. Um, okay, but when we, when we come to the Torah, it says, Ki yeshevu achim yachtav. Uh, Achim could theoretically mean a relative or another man, uh, but we can take it more exactly, literally, as actual brothers, and that is how the rabbis understand it, that this law only applies to brothers. This is very significant because um, if someone uh, is intimate with his brother's wife, let's say while he's alive or after he's dead and they have children, that is one of the adayot, that is strictly prohibited. So this is a relationship, uh, someone and his sister-in-law, that is generally absolutely prohibited, but Yibum is an exception to this law, that if he dies uh, without children, or ben and law, ben or bat, he doesn't have any children, um, then we should, we may not allow the woman to be, go marry a foreigner, uh, but rather Yevama, her brother-in-law, must uh, be with her and take her as a wife. And that is what's called Yibum. The purpose is to uphold the name of the dead. And the first, uh, the firstborn will uphold, in, in fact, the name. Now, this also doesn't necessarily mean literally Yakum Hashem Achiv, 
Hamet, that, uh, you know, if the dead brother was named Joseph, that you have to name the child Joseph, you could. But the main point is legally, that child is a child of the dead of the deceased brother and will inherit the brother's estate. And so the live brother who's doing the boom, we call him a Yavam, uh, is kind of a surrogate father, uh, but, uh, but, but legally remains the, uh, the descendant, the heir of the deceased brother so that his name will not be wiped out in Israel. Uh, so that's the purpose of this quite exceptional law uh, that normally would be erva, but here is actually a mitzvah. All right, we'll get back into the Pesukim uh, as we go through the Masechet, but one point that we're gonna need to know today, which is that the rabbis permit polygamy and they also permit nice marriage. Uh, these are two items that the, for example, the Dead Sea sect uh, prohibited. Uh, they said you have to be married to only one wife. And while the Torah says a man may not marry his aunt, so everybody agrees that a man may not marry an aunt, the Torah does not say anything about the man marrying his niece. The Dead Sea sect says it works both ways. If it's the same relationship, it's prohibited in both. But the rabbis actually say it's permitted because the Torah does not actually say anything about that. Um, and uh, sometimes they even encouraged it as a favor to your brother to take care of his daughter. Uh, so uh, niece marriage, I believe, is still legal in a few states under certain circumstances, but generally is taboo today. But it was practiced and even encouraged back in rabbinic times. All right. I think that's enough introduction. And now we can get right to the Mishnah uh, that says, Chamesh asre nashim potrot sarotehem vesarot sarotehen min ha-chalitza umin ha-yibum ad sof ha-olam. The first Mishnah introduces with exceptions to the rule of when you don't do yibum, which I guess is typical of the Mishnah to start with when, when you don't do it, it's already assuming you know the standard case of when you do perform yibum. Okay, so before we get to this example, let's look at um, let's look at this chart here and see how it works. The way the charts work is if uh, two people have patterned clothing and the same pattern, then they are brothers. This means they're married. Okay, so forget this line here for a second. Make believe Reuben is not related to Chana. Uh, we're going to have them related in a minute. Uh, but let's say you have the Shimon here, and Shimon is married to two wives, which is permitted in Halakha, and he dies without children, uh, children from any of them. Uh, well, in that case, Reuben would perform Yibum. Uh, how? Who would he do that with? Well, he can choose either wife, right? But only one. Uh, to perform Yibum. So he would do Yibum, let's say, with Penina, and they would have a child, and then very good. And then Chana would be off the hook, and she could marry anybody else. All right, so that's also a simple case, even though it involves two wives. And here is where it gets complicated. Uh, the first uh, item on this list is going to be Veluahen Bitot. This is what I'm describing now. Uh, so here's a case where you would not do Yibum. If Ruven has a daughter, Hana, and his brother Shimon marries the niece, right? Shimon marries Chana. So Shimon is marrying his niece. And as we said, that's perfectly legitimate in halacha to marry a niece. Now Shimon also is married to a woman who's not related. That's Penina. Okay, so all good until Shimon dies. So now Reuven has to perform Yibum, right? Well, one of the wives is his daughter. What is he going to do, Yibum, with his daughter? That's insane and not 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 allowed. Um, uh, so not only does he can he does he not have to do yibum, he may not do yibum. How about chalitza? 
he doesn't even have to do chalitza. In other words, the mitzvah of Yibum never applies in this case because he is related, this would be adayot, to one of the wives. He may not perform Yibum, certainly not with Chana. How about Penina? He cannot do it with Penina either. And so that's the, what we say here, 15 women, 15 different types of relationships, uh, exempt sadotehen. The word sada means a rival wife or a co-wife. They're called rivals because anytime there are two wives, they're definitely going to be at each other's necks, hating each other. Uh, we don't have any example in history of co-wives that like each other. So that's their definition. Their name are sadot. Uh, so that means that in this case, Reuven obviously cannot do Yibum with his daughter. And therefore, since he has a co, she has a co-wife, he also, the same rules apply to the co-wife. He may not do Yibum with her or co-wife, or if there's other wives, none of them, they're all out of the picture. No Yibum, no Chalitza. They're automatically free to marry anyone they want. Um, okay, so that's the case of Nashim Potrot Sadotehem. Now let's explain, what does it mean, sarot sarotahem? The co-wife's co-wife. That would mean from a next marriage. So here is the example. It's getting a little bit more complicated. We have the same case as before. Uh, Reuven has a daughter, Chana, and Chana married Reuven's brother, Shimon. So far, so good. Now they have another brother, in this case, Levi. So although Reuven is related to his daughter and he's out of the picture, he cannot do Yibum. In this case, the women are not free to marry anyone they want because there is another brother. And Levi is not related to Pinina. He's not, well, he's related to Chana. He's an uncle. But uncle marriage is permitted. And so in this case, although Reuven can, is out of the picture, Levi must do perform Yibum. And let's say he does. Uh, so he takes, Pini, he takes Pinina. Okay, if he takes Chana, that would also, he could do that. Um, but let's say he takes Penina and he does Yibum. He happens to have another wife also, Miriam. Okay, now Levi dies. The X means he died first. Two X's means Levi died second. Okay, now he died. And now Reuven is still around. So can Reuven perform Yibum with Penina? Well, the answer is no, because one time Penina fell to him for Yibum and he was uh, not allowed to perform Yibum with her because of his daughter. Therefore, Penina is permanently prohibited to Reuven. That's Sarot. Not only that, even Miriam. So that's Sarot, Sarot to him. It's, the, it's his daughter's co-wife co-wife, right? Uh, that's the co-wife of the co-wife, that's Miriam. So Reuven cannot do Yibum, not with Penina, not with Miriam, and so on. Ad Sof HaOlam, this would be true. In other words, even if it happened again, let's say there are a hundred brothers, and then let's say there's another brother, um, uh, Yehuda, who then he does Yibum with Miriam, and then they, he has another co-wife. You can go on and on. Reuven will be prohibited from his daughters, co-wife, co and their co-wives forever, no matter how many links in the chain. Uh, okay, good. So they do not do chalitza or yibum uh, forever. If he would, if Reuven would take Penina or Miriam, that would be um, that would be prohibited. The child would be a mamzer. Okay, good. So um, I hope you have this concept down straight. And uh, with that, we can continue with the other 14. So categories of relationships. These are simply categories of arayot. 
in which someone who is married, someone, if his brother is married to uh, one of these arayot, he may not perform yibum. So we saw the case of bito. Next case is ubat bito, ubat beno. Um, so that would be his granddaughter from his son or the granddaughter from his, uh, his daughter's daughter or his son's daughter. Uh, let's see those cases here. Uh, Bat Bito, Reuben here has a daughter, Chana, who has a daughter, Ada. And then Shimon, who's Reuben's brother, marries this Ada. Okay, what about the age difference? How does it work? Is Ada 12? I don't know. Don't worry about it. These are all theoretical. Um, and then Shimon dies. So now, let's say they're the only brothers, and now Reuven has to perform Yibum with his granddaughter? No way, that's Erva. So he can't do that. Because he's prohibited to his granddaughter, he also may not, cannot do Yibum with a Sila, and therefore they're off the hook, and uh, he may not, he does not perform Yibum or Chalitza with either of them. Okay, so the same thing would be for Bat Beno, is the same exact case as we just saw, but instead of a daughter's daughter, it's a son's daughter, but you get the same idea. And then the next one on the list here, let's go back, is Bat Ishto, Ubat Bena, Ubat Bat Bita. Uh, so the daughter of his wife, meaning from a, she, she had a daughter from a different marriage, or you're his wife's granddaughter, uh, from uh, her son or from her daughter. And after that, we're going to see Chamoto, mother-in-law, Em Chamoto Em Chamiv, and the mother of his mother-in-law or the mother of his father-in-law. Okay, so let's see each of these in step and see how helpful these charts are. So, Bat Ishto. We have Miriam here. She once was married to Zerach and had a daughter, Hana. But then she remarried Reuven after he, she divorced or he died, doesn't matter. And uh, okay, she married to him. Now Reuven has a brother, Shimon. Shimon married this daughter. So you have two brothers, one's married to the mother and one's married to the daughter. That's all okay, just perfectly fine. Uh, but then Shimon dies. Now here's a law, Reuven may not marry his wife's daughter, even though he's not biologically related. Nevertheless, this his wife's daughter is prohibited. And that therefore, since he's prohibited to this, he's prohibited to the whole, uh, to the Sadot as well. Now, Bat Bena would be a similar case to this one, except we move down a generation. Miriam and Zerach had a son, Chur, who had a daughter, Hana. And same thing, Reuven is prohibited to his wife's granddaughter, who was married to Shimon, he died, he cannot marry, uh, he cannot be married to, to a woman and her granddaughter um, ever. And this is the same thing, Batbita is the same exact thing as what we just said, but instead of this being a boy, it's a girl. So it's Miriam's daughter's daughter, which is still a granddaughter and Reuven is prohibited to her and therefore off the hook. Okay, now we have Chamoto, we're switching around the generations. In this case, Reuven, uh, is married to Miriam. Shimon is married to Miriam's mother. Okay, that's totally fine. Two, bra two brothers married to a mother and a child and, and a daughter. And the thing is, when Shimon dies, Reuven cannot be with his mother-in-law ever. So uh, therefore, um, the Yibum and Chalitza do not apply to her, do not apply to Penina. Uh, that was the next case. Now, M Chamoto is similar to what we just saw, except we're adding in another generation. Uh, Shimon and Reuven are brothers. One is married to the granddaughter. One is married to the grandmother. 
That's all permitted, except that when Shimon dies, then that would mean theoretically Reuven would have to marry his, you do ye boom with his wife's grandmother. Well, you're not allowed to be married to a person and her grandmother. And so this is prohibited and therefore no ye boom, no chalitza, not for, not for anybody. And the same thing is just replacing this woman with a man, uh, still his wife's grandmother. And that's the case of M. Hamoto. So far, so good. Next few cases are Achoto Meimo, his maternal half sister, Achot uh, Imo, his mother's sister, his aunt, Achot Ishto, his sister in laws. You can't be married to two sisters at the same time. Although if one sister dies, one may marry the other one. So here we're assuming that the sisters are alive. The wife of his half-brother, maternal half-brother. Okay, these cases are just a little bit more complicated to construct, but the idea is the same. And so here we have his maternal half-sister. So here we have Reuven, who has a maternal half-sister. See, his mother, follow the line, is Miriam. And Miriam was once married to Zerach and had a daughter. And then she married Yaakov and they had a son. So therefore, Reuven and Chana are half-siblings from their mother. Yaakov also married another woman, Leah, and they had Shimon. Shimon just happened to marry this half-sister, Chana, and he died. Well, Reuven is not allowed to be intimate with his uh, half-sister, and therefore, no yibum, no chalitza for anybody here. Next case is achot imo, and means an aunt. So Reuven, uh, Shimon is married to Milka. Um, Milka has a sister, Hogla, and um, uh, Hogla is uh, Hogla and Yaakov had a child, Reuven. So Reuven's um, mother is Hogla. His aunt happens to be Milka, who married her brother. So two brothers married to um, a, uh, uh, married to a, um, a, a, a niece. Sorry, two. Uh, this is his, his mother, and his mother has a sister from, right, a mother has a sister. So a, uh, the brother from a different wife uh, married the sister, right? The Shimon and Milka are not related because they have different parents. Okay, anyway, the mother dies. Um, sorry, Shimon dies. And then theoretically, Reuven would have to marry his mother's sister. Aunt is not allowed. And that is off the hook. Okay, now Achot Ishto is a simpler case. Two brothers marry two sisters. This happens sometimes, right? It's a lot of fun. They get all get together for holidays, two brothers, two sisters. Um, however, if Shimon should die, uh, then, uh, then Reuven would theoretically need to marry his wife's sister. And that's not allowed as long as his wife is alive. And so if she's alive, at the time when Shimon dies, then his sister is prohibited to him, and no yibum, no chalitza. Okay, uh, now, eshet achiv me'imo, the wife of his maternal half-brother. Uh, here's Reuven, and so we're looking for his maternal half-brother's wife. Uh, so let's see, Yaakov married Miriam, that's here, who had a son, Levi. 
from her previous married marriage to Zedach. So that's Levi here. Yaakov and Miriam had a son named Reuven. And so, right, so they, Reuven, so they are, Reuven and Levi are half brothers. They have the same mother. Now, Levi um, also, Levi married Chana, and he died after his passing. Shimon married Chana, who was permitted to him because they are not related to each other. So uh, Levi is the son of his father's wife, right? They have the same brother, they have the same father, but different mothers. And so that's a regular case of Yibum. However, however now Shimon dies childlessly, Chana Who's forbidden to Reuven because they are his? He was his maternal's wife's brother's wife, as Levi was the son of Miriam, Reuven's mother. So Penina, Chana's uh, rival, also cannot. So the point is Reuven and uh, Levi, because they were related before. Chana is his sister-in-law and was permitted was prohibited to him. So even after she goes to Shimon, she is still prohibited to him. Um, and uh, there's two more cases. Eshet achiv shelo haya be'olamo. Okay, so this be'olamo means that a brother can do yibum only if he was alive at the time that the the brother who, who died was also alive. They have to be alive at the same time. Uh, but it can happen that Uven dies and then Levi is only born after Reuven dies, right? The mother's still around and the mother lost a child, but she has another child afterwards. Since Reuven and Levi were not around at the same time, or did not live at the same time, uh, they cannot do, he cannot do Yibum. So here's how it works. You have Penina and Reuven are, are married, Shimon and Chana are married, and then um, Reuven dies. Okay, Penina stays single. In the meantime, Levi is born. His brother is born. Okay, so now Shimon on dies too. Okay, poor family. Uh, and now Levi, now Levi is was alive during the time during while Shimon was alive. So theoretically, he would be permitted to take Chana in as a, a and do Yibum with her. However, because he was not alive when Reuven was alive, so Penina is a sister-in-law who was lo beolamo. Who, uh, who was a sister-in-law, not when he was alive, when not when Reuven was alive. So because Levi was not alive when Reuven died, uh, therefore he could not, he cannot do Yibum with Penina. Penina is forbidden to him because Penina is forbidden to him, so is Chana. Okay, that's that case. And Kalato uh, means that Reuven has a son who's married to a woman. Um, and so that's his daughter-in-law. And if he should die, then his daughter-in-law, um, his daughter-in-law goes and marries a brother, uh, Shimon. Okay, so his daughter-in-law is marrying his brother. That's okay. But if Shimon dies after that, then that would mean that Uven would have to take his daughter-in-law in the boom. That's prohibited relationship. And so therefore, Penina also does not do Yibum. And that's it. That's all 15 cases. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So now we'll go on um, with the Mishnah. So we just saw Eshet Achiv Shelohaya Ba'olamo Vechalato. What do all these have, 15 have in common? Hare Elu Potrot Sarotehen Vesarot Sarotehen Mina Chalitza Umin Hayibum Ad Sof Ha'olam. They all exempt their co wives and the co wives' co wives uh, forever. All right, so that's the main part of the Mishnah. 
And now we add a few more details. Vechulan, im metu o meanu, o nit gadashu, o shnimseu ailonit, sadotehen mutarot. Here's the thing, if um, the if the relative died, let's take the simple case of the daughter, right? Reuven's daughter married Shimon. And let's say the daughter dies first and then Shimon dies. In that case, Reuven would be able to take the, uh, the co-wife. Uh, let's go back to that first picture, right? Reuven has a daughter, Chana, and married to Shimon. If Shimon dies, he can't do Yibum with his daughter. But let's say Chana died first, or they were divorced. Um, and so now, when Shimon dies, he is no longer together with Chana. Uh, in that case, he can and uh, has to do Yibum with Penina, because his daughter is not in the picture anymore at the time that Shimon died. Uh, so it's all about the order of when things happen. Imetu uh, or me'anu. Me'anu is another another concept. If um, there's a, a girl whose father died, she's orphaned. Uh, then the brother or the mother can marry her off as a as a minor. However, that only has a dirabanan uh, effect, and she can uh, she can uh, protest to it. Me'anu is to protest. When that girl um, uh, gets a little older, she can say, listen, I didn't want this. I don't want this guy. And then retroactively, that marriage is zero. So if she undoes the marriage before to Shimon, before Shimon dies, then that's it. They're no longer married. And then Reuven would be able to take Shimon's uh, other wife um, uh, and so on. Or uh, if they were divorced. Or Shimsailonit. Or if the woman, if the wife, um, let's say the Salatabat, that daughter, um, is, uh, is found out to be Ailonit. Ailonit uh, means some uh, woman who is underdeveloped and cannot have children. And so therefore that marriage is not a full marriage. And because they weren't fully married in the first place, um, so then it's um, you don't have to worry about, uh, about that. He's still, let's say it's his daughter, Reuven's daughter, who's an Ailonit, because they, she was never fully married to Shimon, Reuven in that case can take the co-wife. So Sarotehen Mutarot. By the way, this, this is just a note on the previous, it looks like it's an insertion into the Mishnah, uh, noting that when we say if she's found to be underdeveloped and therefore can't have children, that would obviously not apply to the case of someone's mother-in-law or mother's mother-in-law or the, um, or, or, fa or father-in-law's mother, because all those people had children. So since they physically had children, they obviously are not Ailoniot. And so um, that wouldn't, or uh, uh, so that wouldn't be a possibility. They also didn't protest because if they had children, that means they were married long enough to have children and their marriage is a full marriage. And so even if it was done um, by the mother and the, and the sister, it means that she did not protest. So those categories, these two categories, uh, would not apply to these three cases. Now, everything we just said, Mishnah is going to say now and explain it and, and uh, explain it. So we already know what's, uh, we already know this. Um, so let's uh, review it to make sure. Um, how does this work that they would exempt if someone is, if someone's brother marries one of these 15 relationships, it exempts not only them, but also the co-wife. How so? For example, 
if the uh, one of the co-wives was his daughter, or any one of these 15, and Nesuot Lachiv, who was married to his brother, and his brother also had another wife, Umet, and then the brother dies. Just like that the daughter of Reuven, she does not have to do Yibum Chalitza, so too her co-wife does not have to do an Yibum Chalitza. But she may have to do, she does have to do Yibum Chalitza with another brother who is not related. And if she does do Yibum, either her or the Tzara, the co-wife, if the co-wife goes ahead and marries yet another brother, like uh, Levi, velo ishachet, and Levi has another wife, Umet, and he dies, just like his daughter's co-wife is exempt, so too his daughter's co-wife's co-wife is also exempt, even if this process continues a hundred times. Uh, so how so that if they die, their uh, co-wives are, oh, so if they die, meaning if the, let's say, Ruben's daughter dies before Shimon, then she, Ruben will be permitted to Shimon's uh, other wife. For example, if his daughter or any of these uh, other uh, uh, relationships are married to his brother, and the brother has another wife, and then his wife either dies or divorces Shimon, and then Shimon dies, then Ruven uh, may do you perform Yibum with this daughter's co-wife. Good. Someone who still can protest, in other words, a minor, who still has the ability to protest the marriage, but she doesn't, um, and then the husband, her husband dies, then they have to do either chalitz. Then they should do chalitza and not yibum. The reason is because it was not a full marriage because they they always she always could have done uh, mi'un, and therefore uh, we don't want her to do yibum because if. Um, uh, if it was not a full marriage, then you're not. Then you wouldn't be able to do yibum. So just to be safe, um, because it was not a full marriage, uh, we want them to do chalitza, separate and uh, leave. Right, the rival wife may not marry, enter in love of marriage because she is the rival wife of a forbidden relative. However, she is not entirely exempt, and so she does have to do chalitza because it was on some level a marriage, but not a full marriage. Uh, that's the Mishnah. And now we begin the Gemara. Mikedi, kolohu me'achot isha yalfinan, litni achot isha beresha. Now, since all of these women, all these uh, forbidden relationship, relationships, uh, the fact that they're exempt uh, is derived from a case of a wife's sister. We're going to see this later on, that it's the wife's sister that is the source of all these laws. So I wanted to teach that first, because that's the source to know that rivals are prohibited. Right, we're not going to see that today, but just uh, take it um, uh, on faith, and we'll see we'll see this argument soon. 
Now, so why not list her first? That's what the Gemara is talking about, is the order of these women, uh, of why they're here. Um, this is a kind of typical opening sugya in the Talmud Bavli. Often the opening sugya has no names of Amoraim. It's, it's from the editors, and it's kind of intro, and the intros often uh, dwell on details of the language of the Mishnah. Um, but through that, we'll also see some important ideas about the content. So that's the question. Why not do the... Um, the case of the person, this is the case of two wives, two brothers married to two sisters and one dies, so he cannot be with his uh, wife's sister. So that should be first because that's the source for the, all the others. And so maybe you'll say it wants to do the most, the ones that are uh, the, the most stringent uh, first. Um, now, in terms of stringency, I want to introduce to you um, a last concept for today, which is that there are four levels of marital, mar marital prohibitions. The first and least, um, least stringent is something that is uh, prohibited by a positive commandment. So when Gadola said he has to marry a bitula, if he, does, if he marries a non-bitula, he violates a positive commandment. It's not allowed, but that's the lowest level. Uh, the second is a love, a negative commandment. So Kohen may not marry a divorcee. Um, but if he does, the marriage takes hold, uh, right? It is, it is, in fact, a marriage. The children are not mamzerim. Or if a mamzer marries uh, a regular Jew, also violates a negative commandment, would get lashes. Um, however, adayot are, uh, are karet. Um, all arayot deserve karet. That includes a sister, a wife's sister, uh, which we uh, one that we just mentioned. Okay, and then the most severe are death by a court, which uh, covers only some arayot are in this category. Uh, for so the worst, the most uh, stringent is stoning, which would be if someone is intimate with his daughter-in-law. Um, he would deserve stoning. If someone is intimate with his daughter, granddaughter, mother-in-law, et cetera, other, most, a lot of other cases, then his punishment would be burning, um, death by burning. Um, generally, most rabbis think that stoning is worse than burning, so stoning would be the worst and then burning. Okay, so with that in mind, we say maybe it's doing the most stringent first, and this would have to follow to be on. And so, because he says that burning is the worst, it begins with daughter and daughter's daughter and son's daughter and so forth, um, because those are done, those, the punishment for them is burning. So it's doing the most stringent first. Well, that, that might explain uh, the reason. Well, if that's the reason, then you should list the mother-in-law case first, because that's actually the source for how we know that we burn these people with fire, right? As a man be with to take his wife, uh, also her mother is wickedness, they shall burn with fire. In the other cases, it doesn't say explicitly, and we learn it from them. So then she should have been first if that was the reason. And if that was also the case, then 
after we list uh, the mother-in-law, it should say daughter-in-law, um, because um, that's uh, after Sedefa, Sikila is the most stringent, and so it should lead go next with the second most stringent, and it doesn't. So that can't be the reason that it's going from the most stringent to the least stringent, because of those two considerations, Ela. The reason for the sort for the uh, uh, order is bito We're going to see in the beginning of the daf tomorrow that um, uh, relations with uh, between a father and daughter are not actually explicitly mentioned in the Torah. Um, obviously, it's not allowed, but it's not explicitly mentioned, and the rabbis have to do a comparison in order to find that it's prohibited. And so because we only know from a derasha, it's actually more beloved, which is really paradoxical. We started off saying it should be the most stringent, the one that's really there. And if it does the most stringent, it should be the one that's explicit. But then we flip it around and say explicit things we know. But when the when the rabbis learn it, that makes it beloved because we had to you know, put in our own human effort to uh, figure out the law. And so that's actually we're starting with the one that it is still the oraita but it's not explicit, it's derived by Derasha, and that's the one that's most beloved. And so we're going to start with that. And so that's how we explain the reason why the Mishnah lists the daughter first. And uh, we'll begin tomorrow with what that Derasha is, and uh, um, we'll go from there. Uh, congratulations on completing the first daf of Yevamot, and I hope we have um, a good sense of the type of concepts that we're going to be seeing. And as we get used to the concepts, uh, it will hopefully uh, flow smoothly. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.